Thanks, everybody. You can be seated again. Thank you. And good on you guys. All the best in New South Wales. That's where I came from. It's Egypt, but it's okay. Don't worry. It's going to be awesome. You guys are going to be a great blessing at Alpha Cruises. So, yeah. So we salute you for your work in Wyala, and we salute you for the next season. So give, give these other guys a big hand. Well done. Champions in the kingdom. Champions in the kingdom. Awesome and excited for your next season of impacting leaders. Fantastic. All right, everybody, I just brought uh, some series with me too, which are on USB because I'm young. And uh, and uh, I want to encourage you uh, to consider getting hold of a couple of them. Uh, one I, my wife and I did called Discovering Your Unique Gifts and Talents. And uh, like I said before, you really kind of, if you've been saved in early on in life, you need to kind of by 30 be working out what you're here for. So this will give uh, some ideas and help you to discover. We talk about various things that help you uh, discover your gifts and talents. So, and also talk about the unique gifts and talents in your leadership team. Because a lot of people don't realize that in the ministry teams are gifts to help them become who God's called them to be. So that's in there as well. Also, uh, restoring the orphan heart. Uh, both of us coming from broken families. We just notice how in church, people are moving around churches. They move here. They do this. They're all over the place. And a lot of them are great people with great cause of God, but they don't realize they actually still got an orphan heart. And so they're foster children in the kingdom, not sons and daughters in the kingdom. So uh, my wife and I talk about moving from being a foster child in the kingdom of God to being a son and daughter in the kingdom of God. And uh, we've had really good feedback from a lot of people getting saying how I got really healed from that. So, so that's there. Then we do a relationship collection, talking uh, once again too, particularly for people coming from broken histories uh, about how to move into relationships now. Parenting, my wife and I, that's hilarious. We were like, oh my gosh, how are we going to be parents? Both of us with just crazy parents. And... Uh, but uh, we love it, all our boys serving God and love God. So we just feel like we've got some things that will encourage people, particularly those from that. And then time to act. There's a time to go, a time to move. And so we talk about that. When's the moment? What's it look like? And when to take your next step. So they're available. And I should give out one of those, shouldn't I? Who, ne- who knows somebody needs restoring the orphan heart? <laughs> Did you hear that one? Not that one. <laughs> you might like it. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, anyway, Carl, you can have that one. Which one did you want? That was Restoring the Orphan Heart in the Relationship Series. That was the one. <laughs> what did I just give you, Carl? Relationship collection. Okay, we're going to swap. I hope you like that one. <laughs> there you go. Give him a hand. Give him a hand. Uh, and, but they're there. Okay, they're there. So, so be blessed. I hope they're encouragement to you and they're available. Also, releasing the favor of God. Oh, where's that girl? That's for you. Because you're on the radio. God's going to release more favor. There you go. Be blessed. All right. And uh, pray the Lord continues to use you there in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So let's get back to where we were. We might just pray again if that's okay, everybody. So let's just do that now. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your hand on every life here, every church, every ministry. Thank you, Lord, once again for divine moments. We just pray, Lord, in this moment, Father, you'll help me to share something that's going to help somebody, help them uh, move forward, help their church move forward, help their ministry move forward. And Lord, once again, I just pray, Father, say something beyond what I say, Lord. Highlight what you need to highlight by the Holy Spirit. 
to every person, Lord, that they might have Holy Spirit wisdom and insight as they go forward in the great calling and ministry you've given them. I pray it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so, so being a faith-filled leader, I was just talking about that. People need to see faith, and uh, we need faith-filled leaders, and we need faith-filled statements. Can I just say to you that your service says a lot to people? Your church says a lot to people about your faith level and uh, how you do things. Your home group says a lot about the faith that you have. My wife and I, when we were on long service leave, we went to a church in England, and there was a couple of hundred people. But I'm not joking. We were at this service, and the entire time I was completely confused. And we're pastors. I've been a pastor nearly 30 years. My wife and I sat there, and I was like, what's happening now <laughs> at the church? A woman got up at the start of the church, his church in England, and she starts, she's standing there in her joggers and jeans, and, and she's you know, an older lady, and she starts, and I'm like, what is she doing? And she's reading a poem. And the Lord gave her a poem in the bath the night before, and those shoes starting the service with it. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, what's happening here? Like I didn't, I didn't even know what, I thought she was reading from the Bible, and it sounded strange. And then I realized, oh, this is a poem. And like, anyway, it was so confusing. And, uh, and when she finished and walked off, people kind of clapped, and it was just kind of odd. And then I was like, okay, what's happening now? And then uh, somebody came and started talking. We didn't know who they were. And then, the, then uh, we got into the meeting, and the next minute they put a chalkboard in the middle of the uh, floor here, and everybody who was going to come and pray that week had to come and write what time you were praying on the board. And uh, so this is in the service. So immediately for me as a leader, I was thinking, oh, gosh, half the congregation didn't get up to write that they were praying on the board. So immediately you were like, oh, not praying, are we? You know, <laughs> I'm Wednesday at 8.30. So in the church, you immediately divided the church, the prayers and the non-prayers, and everybody's names, and they were like, thanks, everybody with their name on the board, and everybody else is sitting there like this, you know. And then uh, just the whole service went on. They were really lovely people, but it was just confusing. Then people started walking in from the back with their coffees and their croissants, and they walked in while the pastor's wife was talking. We found out she was the pastor's wife later. And they, they're all chatting and eating coffees and croissants. And then they said, oh, communion's on now. And I said to Sue, oh, good, communion's on. We'll go to communion, have, take communion. And, uh, and the next minute, they brought out the communion. Various people just walked out, took communion, prayed at the table, and then walked off, and the communion tray went. I went, oh, where's the tray? Communion gone. And they'd wheeled it off. I said, and my wife goes, is that it? I said, I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, it was it. That was it. Communion was over. And for some reason, everybody knew walk now if you're coming and don't walk if you're not. And anyway, and then that went. And then this guy started talking. Well, halfway through his talk, I'm like, I said to Sue, oh, this is the pastor. So you get what I'm saying? And then as we got towards the end of their message, he said then, well, we're going to pray right now for the city and pray for the young people to come in here. And I was like, you're going to have to pray really hard <laughs> because, because I'm totally confused and I've been a pastor for nearly 30 years. You are going to confuse the whole city when they come in here. Do you understand what I'm saying? And they're all praying intently for them to come in. And I'm like, oh, Lord. Because when they get here, they're going to go, what's going on? We're Christians for over 30 years. We didn't know what's going on. Do you understand what I'm saying? So I'm saying this to you because sometimes we're not realizing people don't know what the heck's happening <laughs> and what's going on. And we've got to give people confidence and they need to experience faith when they come into the service. 
So I really want to encourage you, how you do your service at the start, you're welcome. It needs to be broad and big and bright. It needs to say, welcome to church, everybody. We're so glad of you. So I'm just, I'm touching on this. because I noticed in the churches we went to, it was very confusing. There was no official welcome. There was no warmth. And then they started telling some personal jokes between people on the first two rows. And then I'm like, who's Phil? <laughs> oh, right. So we were lost. So do you get what I'm saying? So you can go to church and you can be in the church and we cannot realize that we have just alienated everybody, locked out all the new people. They're confused. They don't know what's happening. There's no faith in the room. And then we're like, Satan, I bind you. And the reality is we don't have to bind him. We did a good enough job ourselves. <laughs> really? So we have to stop and go, hang on, I need to bring some clarity, some confidence. And, uh, and faith means that I'm going to be um, bringing faith into the, what I'm saying. It's positive. It's not like, well, this week's been terrible, but the Lord's here now. <laughs> Mary wasn't well, Phil's not well, I kicked my toe, the dog wasn't good this morning, something's wrong with him, but Jesus is here. You know, we kill the, we kill the atmosphere, we kill everything, everybody, so we've got to say, hang on, I've got to give clear instruction, clear, clear um, life and welcome and warmth and tell people what's happening. Here's what's happening now, the children go out for the children's uh, school. So people know, okay, if they know what's happening, then they'll buy in because the senior leaders are warm, they're welcoming, but it's clear. It's clear. Make it clear. So people need clarity. But we noticed as we did that sabbatical, so much was unclear. And uh, if we don't know, the world definitely doesn't know. So can I encourage you to be clear? And, uh, and just talking about faith-filled leaders, here's a, faith, here's a faith-filled leader. Faith-filled leaders don't do everything. You're a faith-filled leader, then you will stop doing everything. Some of the churches we visited again, I watched the wife. She was at the front door, and she ran out, and she'd cooked donuts earlier and brought them out for morning tea. Then I was like, where's the wife come? She ran out. She'd gone to do the kids, and she went back in after the kids, and she made the tea and coffee. She was on roller skates. The husband was up and down 60 times onto the platform, and then he took the offering, and then he sang the song, and then, and, uh, and I was like, this couple are going to have a breakdown in a small church. So what I realized, it actually wasn't faith. They thought they were great servants, but they were actually stopping the church growing. So we have to all stop and go, hang on, how do we grow the church? And here's how you grow it. It's, my role is, as quickly as I could when I started churches, was to give away ministry to put it into people quickly as I could. So we had to raise up people who could, uh, you know, stand at the door, represent us, make the tea and coffee, car park people. You need to keep coming up with new ministries all the time. I've got to think, who could, what could that? People with the children, people who make food. Some people, they're fantastic with food. Then let's use that incredible ministry. Then there's prayer people. So I, we, we had to work really quickly to get everybody involved. So we were saying... We're a church of faith. We believe in you. We're going to entrust this to you until you give us reason not to. But we're going to entrust this to you. And so we're giving ministry away all the time. If you're a faith-filled leader, you're learning to trust people. And you're learning to say, we need 
three drummers. We've got one, well, we need three. Let's believe for that in Jesus' name. And that third drummer may be in the junior church and is currently 10, but if you give them a go on the drums, suddenly you're like, oh my gosh, this kid's good. So my younger son, we bought him a drum kit. He, kept, he was always doing this. I go, buddy, can you stop doing that? So I said to my wife, get him a drum kit. Well, now he's absolutely, he could teach drumming. He's incredible. And I got a guy who's a top European musician. He said to me, your son's one of the best drummers I've ever seen. So, but he was in the kids. So but I said, get it, give him a go. Give people a go. Give the kids a go. Give people a go. So faith-filled leaders are not doing everything. And I just want to encourage all the pastors, if you're the senior pastor, don't be getting up on the stage all the time. Everybody's sick of you. <laughs> Particularly your wife. Oh, can you sit down, she says. <laughs> can you shut up? No, no. <laughs> I said to my wife, why did you go out to the kids again this morning? She goes, I've been listening to you for 30 years. That's why. <laughs> it's good to have some humor, okay? She's, but she's, that's true. So, um, but what happens is if you're the leader and you, you're, you're the anointed leader in that church, really, as much as we can, guys, stay off the stage because what's happening is if you're the leader in that church, people are going to join the church because of the anointing on the house and the preaching of the Word of God. So the biggest thing that's going to happen, everything needs to be working. Praise and worship team, everything is meant to be happening to build a platform, not so the singers can be seen, but so that the preaching can be preached. And so you're building a platform for that. So what's happening is uh, the pastor, senior leader, whoever's preaching, we want to like build a platform so that when they come up, there's faith to receive. But if they've seen the pastor and his wife 57 times already in the service, by the time you get up and you're going to preach the word, they're like, there's no faith. Oh, yeah, we heard you before. Heard you before. You're talking about the offering for the caravan. You know, we, we've been listening to you. So, so everything needs to be built around expectation that this is the anointed leader God put here. So by the time you come to the stage, everybody gives you a clap and make sure the leaders clap and honor the person coming to the platform, the pastor, the guest speaker, the wife, whoever it is, then people are coming expecting for the word of God. And so I can remember preaching at our church. I was like, Lord, I did not know what to preach tomorrow. Saturday night fever. <laughs> and, then, and then I thought, oh, and I really didn't know what to preach. So I was like, okay, Jesus, you're going to have to help me now because there is nothing coming. I've prayed. I've walked on the beach 47 times. I've looked intense. I've strained to the heavens. And I think I'm just going to have to preach this, Lord. So I preached it. And then people said to me after, that was amazing. I'm like, I got that four and a half minutes of desperate sweat, you know. But what happened was the congregation being receptive, faith, expectant that Pastor Ed's going to come this morning and bring something, whether it's 10 people or 1,000 people, if you're building that honor and respect for the word, but also too for the leader, but for the word is the primary. When you get up, it's amazing how that authority and faith operates. And even if you think your message isn't that good, suddenly it's like they're thinking it's fantastic. And there's, I've seen other times where people have sweated and worked really hard for the message, but they've been on the stage that many times. They preach what was a brilliant message, but there's no authority or anointing there or faith. But the message was brilliant, but you're kind of like, wow, that's a bit lackluster. Why was it lackluster? People weren't expecting. They weren't ready to receive. There was not faith. So we've got to have build that faith, build that expectation, build that honor. So I just encourage you, don't be up all the time, and to understand that a faith-filled leader 
is looking, your job is to involve other people in the ministry. So my job all the time is to involve other people in the ministry. All the time. That's my number one job. Not like, not, well, Lord, thank you that Sue and I are here and the church is blessed because we're here. <laughs> the Lord's like, yeah, good, but you're meant to multiply. You're meant to multiply. And, uh, and I think it's Luke 13 too, by the way. You can't multiply if you've still got stuff that you're doing that's dead. I think it's Luke 13 talks about, you know, the tree that you fertilize for three years. And after the third year, if there's nothing happening, the Bible's actually very subtle. It says, cut it down. <laughs> Jesus says very subtly, take an axe to that ministry. Oh, Lord, we've had that for 15 years. We've had that for 15 years. It's very nice, Lord. He says, get an axe <laughs> and boom to, that, to the roots. You know, Jesus wants faithfulness and fruitfulness. In Matthew 25, which is that, you know, when you get to Matthew 25, it's what, normally what I do. I get to 24, read it, and I just skip quickly over and go to 26 and 27. I don't like Matthew 25 because it's really challenging on being fruitful. Really challenging. The parable of the talents. And Jesus is saying, I'm expecting a return here. Oh, let's go to Psalms. <laughs> Back to Psalms. I love Psalms. Jesus, Matthew 25 is in the scripture, and it's where Jesus is expecting a return on the investment. And he says, what I put there, I'm expecting a return on that. So I've got to get wise to go, how can we do that? How do I get that? So he's saying, by giving the ministry to others, involving others. So, I, so some of the miracles uh, that are going to happen in your church we keep thinking it's when I do something, it's when this happens, when really a lot of it is going to come from people who come in who have confidence through your service, confidence through the word, confidence through your leadership. They buy into the senior couple. You need to know they do or don't. <laughs> but then they get confidence to take a part in it. So, so faith is that we're now going to have this vision coming to pass through these people. Now, we're all different. We're all at different levels. We've got different gifts and callings. Your calling is as good as anybody's calling. Everybody's going to fulfill their calling. So don't ever see yourself as less or more. See yourself as totally valuable and valid. But realize that I have got to, whether I'm in Perth, Sydney, I came from, London, uh, here in Tumby Bay. That sounds nice, that place. So it is, yeah. But we've got to, we've got to multiply it, but we've got to involve people. So, you know, one of the key people who impacted Sue and I years ago was a very strange lady. <laughs> now, I know you've never had those people in your church, but I need to just declare now, Brian Houston is not here. Turn the tape on. It was at Hillsong Church. <laughs> she was odd. And Sue and I went to the church. We were young and we were, like, considering Bible college. And there was this really quirky lady at the church. And, uh, and I saw this woman across the congregation looking at me and Sue like this. She, she was wandering around. I said to Sue, what is that woman doing? Sue goes, I don't know. And she's like, after church. Well, we went back the following week. We were just praying about college and whatever else, you know. And here's this woman. She's like this again at me and Sue. She pointed at us. I said to Sue, she just pointed at us. So she comes down and she says, hmm, to me and Sue. She goes, I saw you too. You came last week, didn't you? I went, yes. <laughs> she said, yes, I had a little prayer over you. And then she said to me, there's something here for you too. In this place, this is the place for you too. I said, is it? 
was like, how do you know? She said, I've just prayed. And the Lord gives me things. And she said, I'm really sure for you to, it's here. I said, oh, it's like, it was like being on a scary movie or something. It was really a bit odd. You know what? I sent home and said to Sue, wow, that was pretty full on. So we prayed, went back, and then the rest of it, we went to college and Brian off me an internship and all went on. But if I go back, it was one lady who was walking around faith-filled. Lord, use me to speak to somebody who helped nail Sue and I into our destiny, which shows me, shows me we need to use our words wisely and realize that every Christian leader is prophetic. You're used by God to proclaim what God is saying. So I want to encourage you, use your words faith-filled to speak into the lives of people because a lot of your growth is going to come, multiplication, when you move from bless you to something that you feel God's giving you to encourage somebody. And what happens in most churches, I go to everybody's walking around going, oh, bless you. Bless you. Bless you too. Oh, God bless you. Oh, bless you. Bless. Everybody's blessing, but we're like, could somebody give me something? And I watched how there's a whole generation out here who have no idea who they are, where they're meant to go, or what they're meant to be doing. And they come into the church, and we're meant to be faith-filled, waiting for everybody who comes in to give them some kind of encouragement in a direction. You've only got to watch what's that Australian Idol and X Factor and all these shows where, you know, multitudes of people go on there. They've kind of trimmed it now. It's a lot more, lot better people now than it used to be. But people would go on those shows and they'd say, um, you know, what are you going to do? Oh, I'm going to be the next Australian Idol. They'd say, oh, all right. They'd say, have you brought anybody with you? Oh, my parents are there. Parents would be like this. Then the person starts to sing and they say, go on, sing your song. They start singing. It's like a cat being strained through a bag. And the parents are there like, vote them through. I'm like, you people should be slapped. This kid can't sing for nuts. And so, and you've lived with them for 20 years, but rather than say to their son or daughter, honey, singing's not really your thing, but gosh, you're good with computers. You're amazing. Or gosh, you're good with hospitality. Or with children, you're fantastic. Or with soccer and sport, you're a sport teacher. You know, giving them direction, the kid's got some fantasy. And the parents are cheering the fantasy on, and then they got embarrassed before the whole nation, right? So there's a whole generation of those people in Australia wandering around churches who think that they're pop idol. No, <laughs> they think they're something. They don't know what they are, but they need us to come alongside and say, we would love you to be part of our church. We would love you to be helping us. Could you help us in the car park right now? It would be fantastic to have you there. It would be so awesome to get you involved in, you know, sometimes you see people straight away, they're great with kids, get their check happening, police check happening, but... We'd love to involve you there. Why don't you be a part of that? We need you to be a part of that. We want you to be a part of that. We need you. We want you. We need you. We want you. People start going, oh, my gosh, that church is so welcoming. And so sometimes we're wanting people to get something that they might not get for years. But if you say, hey, look, can I help you here? One of the key couples who's been such a blessing to our church, I, they came the first night we started, and I got them pouring tea and coffee, and they were a very awkward couple. They were like, oh, no, what are we doing here? And uh, he was a Muslim for 20 years, became a Christian just before I came to Perth. 
Anyway, and his business was out, all chaotic, and he was all insecure. And I said, okay, start doing that. I said, do the car park. Oh, we'd love you to do the car park. You guys would be fantastic doing the car park. Well, over the years, them and other people, were well, they now on my key vision team, this couple. Anyway, so we had, uh, we had a building behind us that I needed to buy <laughs> because we run out of room for the kids. And I was like, Lord, I need that building. Oh, Jesus, help me. And I started thinking, now, once again, I've got to do it. That's all I've got to do it. And then the Lord said to me, just be quiet, trust me, speak into your people, tell them what you're going to do. And in actual fact, I'd said to our business manager, I said, we need to get that building behind our current building in about two or three years' time. He goes, yeah. He goes, you can do it in two or three because you haven't got any money at the minute. <laughs> so don't even think about it. He's, he's that kind of guy. I said, thanks, Matt, I will. Yeah, two or three years. Guess what? It's for sale two weeks later. Two weeks, the very building behind our building. So I bring my business manager. I said, Graham, come out here. I bring him outside. He looks at me and goes, oh, no. <laughs> I went, look, shush, don't say it. I said, I know what you're going to say. I said, but we've got to get that building. He goes, oh, my God. <laughs> he goes, you have no money and you've just done this and you've done that. And I said, I know, I know. I said, but it may never come up for sale again because everything in Perth at that time was doubling. It's all stopped now, but doubled, and there was nothing for sale, commercial. I said, Graham, we have to buy the building. He goes, Lord, help me, because I'd already had him on the edge. So he was, he, was, he was on the edge. He was on the edge. So anyway, so I just went and told some of our business people. I said, and it's come really early, and we just need to trust God. Let's believe God together. They were all quiet. I saw them in groups of, you know, about eight. They were all like listening, gulping, because we'd had other things that we were doing. <laughs> they were already given to that. Anyway, with this Muslim guy, Muslim for 20 years, I, it was my birthday the following week, and I was feeling a bit sick, you know, going, oh, Lord, I've just told everybody the building, you know. So anyway, so I go out, and he, uh, he says to me, do you want to have lunch with me and my wife next week for your birthday? I said, oh, how nice, hey. So I said, yeah, let, let's go. So soon I go for lunch with him at a restaurant, and he gives me a birthday card, and I open the birthday card, and there's a check in the birthday card. When I opened the car, I'm like, oh, it's a check there. And I didn't put my glasses on, so I thought it was 10 grand. And then I thought, is that for me or the church? Because it's my birthday. Oh, maybe it's for me. Maybe the big, maybe the big one's come in. <laughs> maybe it's the big moment, the big check. <laughs> and I look, and it's, I can see the church's name. And he says to me, Pastor, I think you need to put your glasses on. So I put my glasses on. And uh, I said, okay. So I put my glasses on. Look, the check was for $1 million cash. I thought it was for me. No. <laughs> I, I, went, I went, oh, it's for the church. All oh, right. <laughs> it's my birthday. And <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, we, oh, we were all nearly cry, I was nearly crying. And this is what the couple said to me. He said to me, this is the happiest day of my life. He said, for me and my wife to give this for this building, which now we've had 440 students go through for Bible college. He said, it's the happiest day of our lives. And I said, you're not nearly as happy as me. <laughs> you're on a happiness level, you're not even there, baby. We're off the chart. Now, I say that not to say, oh, we got that money. Or, no, no. I don't, you don't go there because, because, you know, we just don't go there. Because I started with nothing. I started with a pair of shoes. This is years later. That's one off. But what I'm, I'm saying to you is I've realized, here's what I'm trying to get you, not to say believe for the check. You know, here's what I've realized. I've got to believe in other people. 
I've got to believe in them. I've got to realize they're here. It's not about me having to get the money. It's not about me having to do everything. It's about Sue and I having to do that. It's not about me having to, It's about me mobilizing through prayer and through words other people. Through prayer and words. I have to say to my creative team, I need three more singers. We haven't got any more singers, they tell me. I, so in the whole of Western Australia, there's not another singer. No, there's none. So oh, I get this. We need two more drummers. No, there's no drummers. None for 50 kilometres. I go, there's two million people in this city now. No, none near us. Oh, I know, like, seriously. It's like, you know, you want to use that Bible phrase, can you shut the heck up, you know. <laughs> sorry, not in the Bible, sorry. But the power of words is so huge. So we all need to say, I'm going to believe for that. I'm going to believe for that. You know, I'm going to believe for that. I'm going to believe for the drummer. I'm going to believe that we can get the carpet for that building. I don't know how we can get the carpet, but I'm going to believe for that carpet. I'm going to believe for that, but I'm going to involve that person, involve that person. You don't know when God's going to light them up. But if it's all about us, we're going to shrink the church. So we can't. We have to keep growing it by keep involving people and keep giving the ministry away. And I want to encourage you to give people opportunity to preach in your pulpits everybody if they're carrying pastoral responsibility and we just touched on that just chat with my friend down here that um you know we've got to give people opportunity also in the ministry so now i'm raising up my youth pastor my young adults leader my wife's a great speaker my 22 year old son oh my gosh whoo he's unreal he spoke at my men's conference he's 22 and guess what he spoke on being a father and he gave seven points I was so convicted by the kid. I'm like, oh, flip, that was good. Right? Yeah, I didn't do that well. I'm taking, he's 22. He runs the junior church, about 400 kids. He's how to be a part father. At the end of it, I was that convicted at the end of his message. I was like, sit down. Anyway, but listen, 30 fathers left the conference to go home and apologize to their wife and children. I, that wasn't good. They wrecked my conference. <laughs> I said, and that's your last preach. All those fathers convicted going home, apologizing to their wife and kids. He goes, Dad, wasn't that good? I went, yeah, sure, sort of, sort of, kind of. But he's a fantastic preacher. He preached Friday night such a good message on the soft heart, he, you know, because he's in the junior with the kids. He brings out, he's got a big lump of Play-Doh, and I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be stupid, isn't it? It's <laughs> big lump of play-doh friday night service i'm working hard to get people here what's this about and he starts talking about how when the play-dohs you know left out and he picks up every sunday in the junior church and it's just out in the dry it goes rock hard but when it's in the container in the house of god with the lid under under a covering it's soft-hearted our whole church was like oh gosh that's awesome that's brilliant anyway i had three people walk up after me whenever you go pastor jared don't worry because your son will be good to take over I'm going next week now saying that to me. No. But it makes me realize I just got to keep giving other people opportunity. And there's gifts around me that sometimes we can't see. We, and also, too, because we think they've got to be a bit more perfect. So give people goes when they're not perfect. All right, give them a go when they're not perfect. And, uh, but that's faith. That's faith. That's faith. That's faith in Jesus' name. Faith is engaging your heart, too, as a leader. 
There's a word there, engage your heart. In ministry, we have to engage our hearts. When I get hurt, I don't want to engage my heart. I want to take my heart out and go out the door. But I've got to keep my heart in the game. So I want to encourage you, but you've got to keep your heart engaged. And like my son said, you plasticine, stay in the church, keep the undercover, keep the, so it stays soft. Little monkey, great preaching revelation. But, uh, but I've got to keep my heart engaged. Can I encourage you as a leader, if you've got your heart out, disengaged, we've all done it. And uh, we all do it. But I've got to keep bringing my heart back into it. My wife's got to keep bringing her heart back into it. Because there's something powerful when the couple's hearts are engaged in the church, engaged in the vision, engaged in the marriage. Because the devil will give us reasons to pull out of the marriage, pull out of the church, pull out of the vision. He works on us all. There's no doubt about it. So I have to keep saying all the time, my wife's the same, Lord, help us to get our heart soft and help us to engage our heart again. Help us to forgive each other. And help us to forgive leaders and help us to forgive people. Because when you grow in church and your life is busy too, husbands and wives, we get stretched and pulled. But we've got to give each other space to, you know, to grow, to change, and to forgive one another. And my wife's had to forgive me many times. And one of the challenges for my, you know, when I married my wife, her mother had had mental sickness. She'd had several breakdowns. Uh, and my wife was really a broken little girl. She was a broken princess. And then I married her to rescue her. And then one day down the track, that was about eight years ago, she said to me, look, I don't need to be rescued by you any longer. She goes, the little broken princess is gone. She says, I'm a warrior chick. Can you get over it? <laughs> I said, I preferred your dysfunctional. <laughs> My wife goes, you did not. I said, no, babe, sorry about that. So I had to apologize because I'm like, going back here, treating her like, and she's like, leave that alone. That's years ago. I'm healed and whole and I'm a warrior chick now. I'm like, all right, help me, Lord. So, but she's got to forgive me. I got to forgive her. Do you know what I mean? Because we've got to give each other space to grow and change in this deal. And, uh, but, but we've got to keep our hearts engaged. So I really want to just get you to think about that because the enemy's trying to get me to take my heart out of it. Because if he takes my heart out of it, then really he ends up taking me out of it. So... Keep engaging your heart. Put your heart back in. Say, Lord, thank you today, Jesus. My heart's back in. Pastors and these also too, faith is taking a day off. Faith is taking a day off. Some of us never take a day off. You need to take a day off. You need to have a holiday. Don't look at your offering every week and go, oh, Monday, there's the offering. There's the attendance. You want to look at things quarterly. Don't look at it weekly. Watch the quarterly, what's happening four times a year. And, uh, and see how you're going there. But take your day off. And when you take your day off, don't talk about church. Faith is not talking about church. Talk, and don't be at home talking about people in the church in front of your kids or, or to one another. To, you know, sometimes you've got as the leaders talk about, but definitely don't talk about it in front of your kids. So Sue and I have protected the children. We don't talk about people at home. And, uh, and now our boys want to serve God. If you have done that, then all we need to do is say to our kids, I'm sorry I did that. Just make, don't make it a big deal, but say, I'm really sorry I did that. I had tears with my 22-year-old about six months ago. I had some tears about stuff that I did when he was younger, and I felt really bad about it. And I said, Geordie, I'm really sorry I made about that. And I had some tears with him. He was like, oh, Dad. You know, but it really touched him. And I had a few tears about it. It's okay. So it's okay for us to say sorry. None of us are perfect. We haven't all got it right. Not one of us. So we need to be a bit more real and say sorry to the kids if we need to. But definitely realize the devil wants to drain you by you going home and talking about church. 
Leave it for the office. Leave it for the coffee shop. But at home, just have your classic music playing, your beach view, and get on with it. <laughs> so, so, or country view, whatever you have. And uh, here's a little thought too. Uh, all of us in the ministry, just remember too, if you've got kids, don't have your house as a drop-in center all the time. I think we need to think about that because uh, some of us in our graciousness, there's times to do it and there's times not to. So you've got to remember that because we can affect our kids because sometimes our kids are like, where do I start? Where does the church finish? Where does mum and dad start? Where do we connect? And so we just got to think about that because that can actually kill the faith in your kids because they don't think that they actually have their parents. Everybody else has got their parents. So just think about that. And I haven't been perfect at that myself. So I'm just telling you uh, it's a learned observation really on my own life to go, hang on, don't just have everybody in the house. Your wife and kids, pastors, need to know that I have a soft place to land. I can go home and this is my place. So, uh, yes. So we're just going to think that through because that will kill faith in the kids and in the family if everybody else is in your house all the time. So, so think it through. Got to have wisdom. John 5.19 is one of my favorite scriptures. I live by it where Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. I, which means I don't do what people think I should do. I don't do what you think I should do. I don't do what other pastors do. I don't do what I, my ministry expectation is. I do what Jesus says I should do. So often I'll say to my wife, do you think we should have those people in our life yet? And she goes, no, not yet. We had top South African business people move to our church. They're top in Perth. And I went to have coffee with them and the Lord said to me, don't. So, and then I didn't have coffee with them for two years. And then my pastors kept saying to me, Pastor Jared, you haven't had coffee with that couple yet? I said, no. And they said, Pastor Jared, you should have coffee with him. This is all my pastoral team. He's so-and-so. And, he's, and I said, yeah, no. They were like, are you crazy? I went, no, I, don't, I just don't feel like God told me to. They're like, to not have coffee. I said, no. I said to my wife, should you have coffee? She said, no, not yet. <laughs> so after two years, we had coffee. We took him for lunch. And he says to me in his South African accent, we still honor you and your wife. I said, what for? He said, most pastors have chased us wherever we go. And when we came here, you just let us join the church and just be in the house of God. Didn't chase us. You were confident in yourself and your leadership. And so we want to let you know we're committed to this church and we will be here if you need to call on us for anything. I was like, thank God we didn't have coffee with you. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Take the stress out, John 5, 19. All right. Last couple, I've got to hurry now. Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 46, some of you don't like this scripture. It says first the natural and then the spiritual. First the natural and then the spiritual. So we've got to realize the Bible says you've got to take attention to the natural things and then the spiritual. Some pastors have killed their churches when they've got the whole spiritual um, leading. This is the Bible, everybody, by the way. And then suddenly they've freaked everybody out and killed their church. I was preaching at a church, shall remain nameless in the country. And, uh, and when I got there, I could tell, wow, this is a very spiritual church. But it, I'd felt unsafe, felt scary. And so the pastor, my wife, <laughs> I'm getting ready to preach. And I said to my wife, oh, this is, this is different. It felt very spiro to the point of on the edge of weird. Anyway, 
but lovely people. Anyway, so the pastor's doing the announcements, and he says, these people are about to go to the mission field. Could you come up? And he names them. He's doing the announcements. I'm sitting here. The couple come up, and he's doing the announcements. And he's trying to grow his church, he told me. But he's saying, this is what's happening this week on the announcements. The next minute, these two women comes up, and he goes, take it! And the two, like, boom, like this. And the two women go down the spirit. And it was just, and then he goes, and Wednesday there'll be a barbecue <laughs> at Mary's house. And then Friday we'll be gathering with the worship team. As I'm getting ready to preach, my wife leans over me and she goes, good luck, love. <laughs> she goes, you're going to need it. <laughs> I was like scared. <laughs> I'm like, what? Now, lovely people. That church went from 400 to 80. And the pastor nearly lost the plot, bless him. But he didn't stop to think. All you new people would go thought it was crazy. I thought it was crazy. <laughs> My wife, isn't she naughty? Good luck, love. You're going to need it. But do you get what I'm saying? That was first the natural, then the spiritual. We want the spiritual. God's kingdom is supernatural. But how you allow that to operate needs to be sane. And then sometimes we know God does some things that are a bit out there and we're like, oh, that's a bit different, Lord. But if you are doing things wisely, people will pick up that you're a wise, strong leader, but what's happening here is just happening by God. But don't be falling in love with the supernatural, fall in love with Jesus and realize that we need to have uh, or a structure that people come in and feel, okay, this, these people are just loving Jesus and this is happening now, but it's not crazy. And that's the same church I'd visited once before. And somebody said to me, oh, you need to come to our church because there's a woman here. She hears the Holy Spirit every week. And I said, oh, what happens then? They said, oh, when she hears it, she starts bending over as she hears the Holy Spirit. And I said, oh, wow. <laughs> then they said, yeah, then what happens is she starts, you know, moaning or something. And then, and then everybody kind of notices and we all pray for her. I said, what, every week? And they said, every week. So I go over there. Guess what? She's in front of me. The Lord positions me perfectly. And she's like, uh, 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 this is, she's been doing this for weeks. Well, the next minute she goes down and took two rows with her. And they were the, the, it was all pinned together chairs, a whole lot went in the worship. And everybody's like, oh, Lord. And anyway, my wife looks at me and goes, oh, Lord. So I went over and I just whispered in her and I said, could you please not do that? I said, because she just took all the attention off Jesus while we were trying to worship him. She got up. She, I was like, oh, hello. That's fruit of, the, fruit of the Spirit, not there. <laughs> Two weeks later, the Lord had called her on. She'd impacted that church for months. No new people were staying, no growth, and everybody were being sweet Christians. Here's my next thought. Don't have a culture of allowance. Some of us are allowing, we've got a culture of allowance. We allow things that are stopping growth, stopping people connecting. Got a culture of allowance. Don't have that culture of allowance. Be nice, be polite, but don't allow it. Look at it and go, is this, is this actually scriptural? Is this actually causing people to go forward? If not, we need to do something about it and help them to move on if they need to. But we definitely don't allow things to happen that are stopping people being saved. Our job is to be building the church and people being added and, and saved in Jesus' name. Amen. So just have a look at those things because people are going to buy in if there's confidence, if there's structure. And Isaiah 57 says, you know, remove every obstacle out of the way. Make the path straight so that people can go through. So our job as leaders is, hang on, is that an obstacle? 
Is that stopping people come to Jesus? Then I have to remove it. Now listen, the gospel is an obstacle. Some of you already picked up on that. The gospel is an offense. I'm with you. So some people uh, are going to leave church because the gospel is an offense. But let's not get them leaving church because there's obstacles in the service. That's things that we need to just think about and, uh, and deal with. You know, um, the enemy will tell you every week, no one's getting saved at your church. Every week. He'll say, no one's getting saved. No one's getting saved. He'll, he'll talk about it. He will get it into your heart and spirit. And I have to physically resist that and spiritually and emotionally resist it. And so do you. You have to resist it and realize that, no, if Jesus has put you there, he's expecting salvation and fruit. So what we need to do is if we're not an anointed person for souls, can I encourage you, don't um, be keep giving the order call if you know that it's not happening when you do that. It may not be your gift, but you have plenty of gifts, but that may not be your gift. And so I watch pastors around the world who are great pastors, great teachers, get up and give order calls for salvation. And sometimes they're getting people saved. Amen. That's awesome. But many times they don't see salvation and they go home and they beat themselves up all day on Monday. Now that's foolishness. That is really foolishness because that may just not be your gift. And then you who are so valuable to the church, so valuable with your gift, your pastoring, your teaching, your leadership, because that's not your key gift, you then end up having years in the ministry going, well, I've failed. No one got saved. No, just realize that's not your gift because what I've discovered is we've got a young guy at our church. He can get up and say, Mickey Mouse loves you and people come flocking to the front. I'm like, what the heck was that? That wasn't even in the Bible. Was that in the Bible? <gasps> and people come out and they're crying. They want Je- I'm like, they're all crying. They want Jesus. <laughs> it's on his life. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's a gift. That's where we know when Jesus says, I've given these gifts, the gift of the evangelist, it's a gift. So what we have to do to continue to grow our leadership team, everybody, is to look for the gift of the fisherman in your church. That may be your wife. That may be your son. That may be your daughter. That may be your youth person. That may be Marjorie. That may be Fred. And they may, they may be involved in some pastoral ministry. But after you've preached the message, take all the pressure off yourself and say, right, I'm expecting you to get 10 people saved this morning. Amen. Get off. <laughs> And, uh, and you know what? Uh, one week I preached, um, I did a series on giving and tithing and, and I could feel people in the church like they were like, in, oh, great, you know, week three of this. <laughs> I could feel it. And I said to my young adults leader, um, you're going to do the order call this morning. I'm believing for 10 to get saved. He goes, am I? I said, yeah, you're going to be awesome. And he goes, all right. I said, so pray and I want you to get up and give the order call. He got up, 10 people responded. And I was talking about giving and sacrifice. And, and I was like, seriously, I knew if I had given that little call, there wouldn't have been a dog come out the front, you know, <laughs> lost from the road. It would have been, you know, nothing would have happened. He gets up and 10 people get saved. I was like, Lord, how amazing is that, you know? So it's the gift. So what we're going to do is locate the gifts and say, right, preach your message. It'll be fantastic then let some whippersnapper who hasn't got a clue get up and do what they're going to do when you've actually brought the depth and quality to the church. <laughs> but you get what I'm saying? And then when they, you know, my wife speaks, she's very, very funny. She's really funny, really laughs. But when she has the order call, they all start crying. It's, and everybody starts crying. And my wife goes, oh, no, they're crying again. They all start crying. 
Anyway, she sits in her office and she says, I'm seeing three people today. And I'm like, oh, great. Because they walk in. She's like, hello. She's all hugging them. They sit down. I'm here. Next minute. <laughs> Through the wall. I said to her, can you move your office, love? I'm like, really? I'm trying to have a nice Tuesday, kick the week off. I've got three hysterical people in there. I said, what do you do to them? She goes, I don't know. I just laugh and when they come in, I start sitting there and I just listen to them. Then they're all crying. They're hysterical. I said, every person. I said, grown men go in there. And they're all like, ah, with my wife. She goes, what's wrong with me? I said, love, it's your gifting. You've allowed God to heal you. She really has. The Lord's healed her. So now when people come into it, they're also getting healed. Get what I'm saying? But when she gives the order call for salvation, it's a struggle. And then she gets somebody else to do the order call of her message, they're all getting saved. Get what I'm saying? Find out who you got there. Use your fishermen. Use your fishermen. Last couple of thoughts. I'm in trouble now. Here am I going to finish? I'm in trouble. <laughs> that was three people said no. That's a witness, according to the New Testament. <laughs> no, um, in your church, can I encourage you, if you have young people, put the young guys at the front. Most churches I go to, two on my sabbatical, all the young men are all at the back, all on the fringe on the side. And guess what's happened? It's been allowed. It's a culture of allowance. We're allowing things that are not productive. So what Sue and I had did was I realized all the young guys are more insecure than the young girls. Boys, there's so much problems with families now. The boys are all insecure because they're like, a lot of them haven't got connection with dad. Not all, but there's a bunch. I've got to go be a husband. I've got to go get a job. I've got to go get this. Well, women are naturally more responsible than men. They just are. Just the way it is. So go the girls. So, but God's plan too is that the men will be heading their home, that they will grow and be who God's called them to be. So what we decided when we started years ago was put young boys behind us, many of them from broken homes, not all, but many. And so we had all these 14 and 15-year-olds. So we had rows of them. Well, if you go to my church now, I've kept it going. And you will see at the front of our church young men everywhere. And now I have, and all the ones who were there 14, 15, now are 31. So I bred a whole leadership team of probably 50, 31-year-olds who will die for Sue and I. They'll die for us because they were young kids. I'd turn around, hey, buddy, how are you? How are you, Sue? Say, oh, come and give me a hug, love. So she'd be hugging the first, those rows. I'd hug them. So into them. Now they're 31. They're all incredible leaders. Two of them are state MPs. We're young kids. And so I realized, get the men at the front. Be so into their lives. Speak into them. Hug them. Girls, mums, they need mums. My wife's a safe mum for all of these boys because a lot of them have got broken families. Go and love them. I'm high-fiving. I'm talking to them. I'm believing in them. One of them was a black goth. Came in. He was just like a, just black. <laughs> this is a funniest little kid. Well, now he's going to be a missionary in our German team that's going off. But we had to sow into them. So what's happened is if you put the boys there one at a time in the front rows, you'll get the girls automatically. <laughs> you get the girls automatically. You don't have to worry about trying to, you don't even have to follow them up. They'll come because you've got rows of young guys there. So the girls start coming to church. And uh, then what happens is they get older, you need to mix the rows up. Otherwise, it looks like a bit of a cult. But anyway, <laughs> mix up the rows. Now, here's the other thing I realized. Where's all the men who like mathematics? Like mathematics? Okay. Where's all the men who like money? Tithes and offerings. 
Put your hand up. None of you do here, do you? No, so what I realized was if you get the man, then you get the wife and you get the three kids. So every young guy I got in the seat and established in our church, I got their wife and three kids and their tithe. You get the tithe after they finish their studying, the kids, the wife, that's, that's one. I got four more. You want to grow your church? Get the young guys in the seats at the front. Tell them, I need you down here. I need you in this seat. We need you in this row. Love you here. Come and sit down here, buddy. I need you here. They need to be made secure. We want you in the right in the front. We want you right here. After you've done one row, you get your youth leader, and I'd say to him, buddy, see this row here? Uh, this, row, uh, this row here, it's filled. We need to fill the next row. So I want you to get two of these young guys praying during the week, and men need to conquer. And I said, give them something to do where they're going to pray about filling that row. And so two young boys would get on the end of each of the row, and they'd be praying that they fill their row. They'd invite friends, pray, plan, strategize. And they'd come up to me and say, Pastor Jared, I filled that row today. I go, you guys are legends. Fill in the row. And they put five guys in there. I go, that's awesome, you guys. Next week, they had three. <laughs> and I said, and they said to me, oh, Pastor, we only got three this week. I said, that's all right. You had five last week. So you've already hit five. You'll be back there again next week. Hang on. So now those two guys, they're excited. They've got a vision in the church, something to do. And they're filling their row. And they're like, wow, you know, they've got focus. But I've got to get the leaders to keep focused with it. That's the challenge is more the leader who oversees it. Yeah. But anyway. But now we're filling those rows and the young guys are getting excited and they're filling up. They're coming out, oh, Pastor Jared, I got four in my row this week. Woo, you know, and one of them got saved. But we just do it one chair at a time, one row at a time. But here's what you need to do. Hold to it. If you fill that row, we filled it, we can fill it again. But let's go one more chair. Let's go one more chair. See this chair? We're praying over it. A whole bunch of my leaders years ago, I was praying over chairs and they were like, what are you doing praying over those chairs? I said, well, that's where people are going to sit. They're like, well, you just pray over empty chairs. I said, look, that's what I got. That's all I got. <laughs> I asked God. He said, pray over the chairs. That's all I got. Prayed over the chairs. Those chairs are filled now, but it's one chair at a time, one life at a time, one more person in the car park, one more person in the coffee team, one more person in with the kids, one more row. Let's get this one more row with young guys. One more drummer. I've got no drummers in the whole of Western Australia. <laughs> Yeah, we can get one more. Let's speak it out. Let's believe it. Let's get another young guy in there. But if you get the young guys down the front, in time you'll have, great, you'll have a future. Listen, success without successes is a failure. I don't like that statement. You don't like that statement, but it's a real statement. Success without a successor is a failure in every area. So we have to say, how can we get people involved who we can get up and running, so into who can carry this and be whatever. So be thinking about your departments, thinking about your own leadership. Get people around. Faith is giving it into people. You don't have to do it all. We think we have to do it all. No, sow it and give it. Have faith. Trust people. One seat at a time. One person serving at a time. Another person at the car park. Make sure on the door of your church you have people who represent you. Don't stick anybody on the door to welcome who doesn't represent you, the senior leader. That goes weird. Something goes wrong with that because they're a gatekeeper to the house of the Lord. So be blessed in all you do. Really want to thank God for you and just say thank you for all your ministry. You're amazing what God's called you to do, wherever he's called you to do it. On behalf of Jesus, we so appreciate you. Let me pray for you. Let me pray for you. Father, thanks for all these amazing people serving and building your church, Lord. Thank you for their years of service, their hearts, their faithfulness. I pray, Lord, bless them, reward them, 
Refresh them, God. Favour them. And Lord, I pray to help us all, Lord, to have new eyes to see the, the miracle in the one who's uh, right near us, Father. And help us to build that church, get those young men going. And Father, I just thank you for great uh, leaders rising up and great people, Lord, are going to serve. And thank you for multiplication in every ministry. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for having me, everybody. It's been so good to be with you. Thank you.